Hi, Dave Emmer here. This is For the Record program number 1293, Apocalypse, the Satanic Presidency of Joe Biden, a fireside rant. This is being recorded on March 13th of the year 2023. Two quick notes. First of all, uh, for those of you who find that podcasts are the best way for you to consume the broadcast, Sister Station WFMU is podcasting for the record, and uh, so you can find a link either at the top of each written uh, for the record description on the SpitfireList.com website or at the top of each uh, Food for Thought post, again, on the SpitfireList.com website. And there is a link for you to click on to get the uh, podcast from Sister Station WFMU. Also, there is a 32-gigabyte flash drive available with all of my life's work on it, Uh, 44-plus years of written and recorded material, and uh, that flash drive will be updated very shortly to get all of the material about the uh, pandemic uh, and uh, the COVID, excuse me, uh, COVID operations, that's not a bad term and the Ukraine war, and everything else. Uh, again, there is a link at the top of each written food for thought description and or each uh, for the record program description and at the top of each food for thought post for you to click on to get that flash drive. And I get no money whatsoever from that. Uh, this program is going to be... Uh, somewhat repetitive uh, of uh, or from other broadcasts, uh, I am scared bleepless uh, about <laughs> the future. Uh, the present doesn't look real good to me either. But I think we are doomed. <laughs> Frankly, uh, they don't call me good time, Dave Emery, for nothing. Uh, if what I am seeing those indeed take place. Uh, nuclear war maybe will look pretty good compared to what is coming. I think that a third world war is all but inevitable. Uh, it may start in Ukraine. It may start in the Pacific, but it is coming. And uh, I think uh, <laughs> if uh, people don't at the very least take to social media and attempt to uh, relay some uh, uh, information, alarms, what have you. Uh, Basically, I think we are all going to become what Monty Python referred to as an ex-alibet. And uh, I'm going to begin this fireside rant uh, by reading a very uh, interesting post there is a, a very good blog called the Indian Punchline. That's I-N-D-I-A-N. Punchline, of course, P-U-N-C-H-L-I-N-E. It is authored by a former Indian diplomat named M.K. Bhadrakumar, B-H-A-D-R-A-K-U-M-A-R. He is highly educated, and he is a former Indian diplomat. 
and has an interesting perspective on things. Uh, one of the pieces of news that, uh, well, I can't say it dominated the headlines, a significant piece of news this past week, and that is China successfully brokered a resumption of diplomatic relations between Iran, the dominant Shiite Muslim power in the Middle East, and Saudi Arabia, the dominant Sunni power in the Middle East. They have been not only at loggerheads, but they have fought something of a proxy war in Yemen that has been devastating for the people there. And the resumption of diplomatic relations augurs, uh, cautiously anyway, uh, some very good things, or it could. It is a major step in a global realignment in which what is termed the global south is basically coalescing economically and diplomatically, and they are very much setting themselves aside from the global north, from the west in general. They not only are not participating in the economic sanctions for the most part, against Russia in, that have been imposed by the U.S. and the EU, but they had to a considerable extent uh, fund their noses or engaged in other uh, gestures that I really can't talk about on the air since this is radio. And the potential realignment and the recoalescing or coalescence of many of these countries into an, uh, a de facto economic block would be, if it were to proceed in a peacefully uninterrupted fashion, would be a very good thing. It would augur a major commercial and, and non-communist uh uh, economic realignment, global economic realignment. It also augurs very poorly for U.S. economic, political, and military hegemony. For that reason, I'm extremely pessimistic because I don't think that the powers that be in this country will accept it, and I think they will do whatever they can to disrupt it, and they will kill whoever they feel they need to kill in order to, to disrupt it. Nuclear war, obviously, is something that is so physically destructive that it does not make a lot of economic sense to do it. I think that the new cancer moonshot, as it has been euphemized by uh, the mummy, that is my nickname, for Joe Biden, uh, under whose watch, I think, the process of the Nazification of America, 
something I have been chronicling since I first went on the air when Jimmy Carter was president in the fall of 1979. That process has come to fruition. Although I cannot put the pictures on the written description for for the record because they may be copyrighted and that's not a chance I want to take. Could cost me a lot of money and I don't have that. Um, I was really at one level stunned and at another level almost bored to see in successive days basically the same photograph in the New York Times. It was on the front page of the New York Times on Monday, March 6th, and then on page A8 of the Western Print Edition of the New York Times the following day, Tuesday, March 7th. It was a picture of a Ukrainian tank going into battle in Ukraine, and it very clearly had what is known as the Balkan Kreutz. That is a cross, an open-ended cross, that was adopted as the official symbol of the Wehrmacht in 1935. You'll also see it on uh, Luftwaffe combat aircraft. It was initially used by the German military in World War I, and then in 1935, the Wehrmacht, uh, adopted it for its own symbol. Uh, it is a Nazi symbol. It is a Nazi military symbol. And there it is, big as life, uh, on the front page of the bleepin' New York Times on Monday, March 6th, Western print edition. It may have been the previous day on the East Coast. And then it appeared again on page A8 the following day, Tuesday, March 7th. I don't know what commentary, if any, that sparked to the New York Times. It should have basically jerked the fresh fertilizer, outraged people to see uh, a Ukrainian tank with the Nazi symbol right on it. And by the way, there was another one that aired on CNN uh, when the Kharkov offensive took place. And again, it shows a Ukrainian tank with the Balkan Kreutz, the symbol of the Wehrmacht in World War II. And yet, you know, no, no commentary. And if one basically points out what is quite obvious, something I have been pointing out for the better part of a decade, ever since the Maidan coup in uh, 2014, which is that the OUNB successor organizations, uh, which had been nurtured in the uh, bosom uh, or nursed at the bosom of Western intelligence uh, and the CIA and the Galen organization in particular, and that became part of the Republican Party, uh, they were put in power in Ukraine. They are Nazis. 
And uh, yet, if you suggest the obvious, and there was even, albeit attenuated, but there was even a fair amount of discussion of this in the admittedly slanted mainstream American media. Both the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security took note of the decamping of Nazis and white supremacists to get combat experience in eastern Ukraine with some of the Azov military formations. But when the war takes place, when the war begins in February 2022, uh, as I've said before, it is as though that war became the political and historical equivalent of the philosopher's stone, which the alchemists believed could transform gold lead into gold, and it has instead transformed uh, virtually every Western institution and many of the individuals as well into the same substance as the Ukrainian Institute of National Memory, an Orwellian body in the Ukrainian uh, government that has systematically rewritten the World War II history of Ukraine. And it has made the Nazis and the fascists out to be good guys and uh, basically made those who opposed them to be the bad guys. And uh, it is just amazing. I'm of two minds. On the one hand, when I first began studying the assassination of JFK, which was my point of entry into this uh, field of research, on the one hand, I was expecting this country to go fascist, uh, as asinine as it might sound. But bear in mind that I was... Uh, less than half my age when I went on the air. I sort of saw myself as a Paul Revere of the airwaves. I did not expect to go down in history. I did not expect to be memorialized in a poem. But in effect, I was riding down uh, the uh, streets of the town uh, shoving, the brown shirts are coming, the brown shirts are coming. And I was not expecting... Other people will say, hey, F you, pal, shut up, we're trying to get some sleep. But that is what basically was the response. And yet, to see the Balkan Kreutz, a Nazi symbol, on a Ukrainian tank portrayed big as bleep in life, right on the front page of the New York Times, and nobody talks about it. The Sounds of Silence, by the way, that uh, iconic song by Simon and Garfunkel was written in the aftermath of and about the aftermath of the assassination of President Kennedy. Something to think about the next time you hear that song. But uh, the response on the part of the declining and, I think, frankly, doomed empire of the U.S. is going to be lethal. Uh, I think the U.S. now is very much like an incredibly deadly and yet mortally wounded beast. Uh, It has a consummate power to strike out and destroy, 
and I suspect it will do just that, and yet at the same time, uh, it is only too evident that uh, I think things have gone too far. Uh, I'm going to begin by talking about or reading the post by M.K. Barbara Kumar about China's brokering of a diplomatic rapprochement between Saudi Arabia and Iran. It is a profound event. It is a remarkable manifestation of soft power by China. It will undoubtedly be met by as much destabilization as the U.S. can muster. I would not be surprised to see false flag military incidents in the Middle East in order to disrupt this. But if this resumption of relations between Iran and Saudi Arabia, both major petroleum-producing powers, and uh, they are also uh, both on improving terms, particularly Iran with uh, Russia, it will have profound economic effects on uh, the world economy, and it may very well uh, threaten dollar hegemony, to coin the term. From the Indian Punchline blog by M.K. Bhagavad Kumar from March 11th of 2023. It's called, it's titled, China Steps Up, A New Era Has Dawned in World Politics. The agreement announced one more time. The agreement announced on Friday in Beijing regarding the normalization of diplomatic relations between Saudi Arabia and Iran and the reopening of their embassies is an historic event. It goes way beyond an issue of Saudi-Iranian relations. China's mediation signifies that we are witnessing a profound shift of the tectonic plates in the geopolitics of the 21st century. The joint statement issued on Friday in Beijing begins by saying that the Saudi-Iranian agreement was reached, quote, in response to the noble initiative of President Xi Jinping. The dramatic beginning goes on to state that Saudi Arabia and Iran have expressed their, quote, appreciation and gratitude, unquote, to Xi Jinping and the Chinese government, quote, for hosting and sponsoring the talks and the efforts it placed towards its success, unquote. The joint communique also mentioned Iraq and Oman for fostering the Saudi-Iranian dialogue during 2021-22. But the salience is that the United States, which has been traditionally the dominant power in West Asian politics for close to eight decades, is nowhere in the picture. Yes, this is about the reconciliation between the two biggest regional powers in the Persian Gulf region. The U.S. retrenchment, the U.S. retrenchment denotes a colossal breakdown of American diplomacy. It will remain a black mark in President Biden's foreign policy legacy. But Biden must take the blame for it. 
Such a cataclysmic failure is largely to be traced to his fervor to impose his neoconservative dogmas as an adjunct of America's military might and Biden's own frequent insistence that the fate of humankind hinges on the outcome of a cosmic struggle between democracy and autocracy. China has shown that Biden's hyperbole is delusional and it grates against realities. If Biden's moralistic, ill-considered rhetoric alienated Saudi Arabia, his attempts to suppress Iran met with stubborn resistance from Tehran. And in the final analysis, Biden literally drove both Riyadh and Tehran to search for countervailing forces that would help them to push back his oppressive, overbearing attitude. The U.S.'s humiliating exclusion from the center stage of West Asian politics constitutes a, quote, Suez moment, unquote, for the superpower, comparable to the crisis experienced by the U.K. in 1956, which obliged the British to sense that their imperial project had reached a dead end and the old way of doing things, whipping weaker nations into line as ostensible obligations of global leadership, was no longer going to work and would only lead to disastrous reckoning. The stunning part here is the sheer brain power and intellectual resources and, quote, soft power, unquote, that China has brought into play to outwit the U.S. The U.S. has at least 30 military bases in West Asia, five in Saudi Arabia alone, but it has lost the mantle of leadership. Come to think of it, Saudi Arabia, Iran, and China made their landmark announcement on the very same day Xi Jinping got elected for a third time as president. What we are seeing is a new China under the leadership of Xi Jinping trotting over the high knoll. <clears throat> Yet, it is adopting a self-effacing posture, claiming no laurels for itself. There is no sign of the Middle Kingdom syndrome, unquote, which the U.S. propagandists have warned against. On the contrary, for the world audience, especially countries like India or Vietnam, Turkey, Brazil, or South Africa, China has presented a salutary example of how a democratized, multipolar world can work in the future, how it is possible to anchor big-power diplomacy on consensual, conciliatory politics, trade, and interdependence, and advance a win-win outcome. Implicit in this is another huge message. China as a factor of global balance and stability. It is not only Asia, Pacific, and West Asia who are watching. The audience also includes Africa, and Latin America. In fact, the entire non-Western world that forms the big majority of world community who are known as the Global South. What the pandemic and the Ukraine crisis have brought to the surface is the latent geopolitical reality that the Global South 
rejects the policies of neo-mercantilism pursued by the West in the garb of, quote, liberal internationalism, unquote. The West is pursuing a hierarchical international order. None other than the EU foreign policy chief, Josep Borrell, B-O-R-R-E-L-L, blurted this out in an unguarded moment recently with a touch of racist overtone when he said from a public platform that, quote, Europe is a garden. The rest of the world is a jungle. And the jungle could invade the garden, unquote. I think that's <laughs> just a, a touch of racist overtone. I think that really was an unguarded moment, and yet it was an explicit statement of how the white West, basically, the U.S. and Europe and their uh, satrap countries uh, in, in uh, Asia primarily, see the rest of the world. And uh, it, it is explicitly racist, chauvinistic, and uh, neo-colonial in its orientation. And uh, recently, by the way, uh, uh, Emmanuel Macron was in Africa, and he got a dressing down from, I think it was the uh, president of the Congo, the Democratic Republic of Congo, who told him in no uncertain terms to shove it. And uh, Macron attempted to counter by saying that uh, it was not fair to take a pronouncement from a French journalist as official French governmental uh, attitude. And the president, uh, I think again, I think it was from the of the of the Congo, told him that comment came from the French foreign minister. Basically, he put Macron's B blank 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 in the dirt. Uh, however, I think this is an incredibly dangerous, perilous time, and we're going to continue with the uh, M.K. Bhagda Kumar uh, post here. <clears throat> Tomorrow, China could as well be challenging the U.S. hegemony over the Western Hemisphere. The recent paper by the Chinese Foreign Ministry titled U.S. Hegemony and Its Perils, unquote, tells us that Beijing will no longer be on the defensive. Meanwhile, a realignment of forces on the world stage is taking place with China and Russia on one side, and the U.S. should be and the U.S. and the EU on the other. Doesn't it convey a big message that on the very eve of the historic announcement in Beijing on Friday, the Saudi Arabian Foreign Minister Prince Faisal bin Farhan al-Saud landed suddenly in Moscow on a, quote, working visit, unquote, and went into a hubble with Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, who was visibly delighted. Of course, we will never know what role Moscow would have played behind the scenes in coordination with Beijing to build bridges between Riyadh and Tehran. All we know that... All we know that Russia and China actively coordinate, what is this, uh, we should be, we all know that Russia and China actively coordinate their foreign policy moves. Or all we know is that Russia and China actively coordinate their foreign policy moves. Editorial mistake here, obviously. Continuing. Interestingly, on March 6th, President Putin had a telephone conversation with Iran's President Ibrahim 
were easy. To be sure, the geopolitics of West Asia will never be the same again. Realistically, the first sparrow of spring has appeared, but the ice was melted for only three or four rods from shore. Nevertheless, the sun's rays give hope, signaling warmer days to come. Conceivably, Riyadh won't have any truck further with the diabolical plots hatched in Washington and Tel Aviv to resuscitate an anti-Iran alliance in West Asia. Nor is it in the realms of possibility that Saudi Arabia will be perfect to any U.S.-Israeli attacks on Iran. This badly isolates Israel in the region and renders the U.S. toothless. In substantive terms, it scatters the Biden administration's feverish efforts lately to cajole Riyadh to join the Abraham Accords. That basically is a a diplomatic rapprochement with Israel. Continuing, however, significantly, a commentary in Global Times, Chinese paper, noted somewhat audaciously that the Saudi-Iranian deal, quote, set a positive example for other regional hotspot issues, such as the easing and settlement of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And in the future, China could play an important role in building a bridge for countries to solve long-standing, thorny issues in the Middle East, just as what it did this time, unquote. Indeed, the joint communique issued in Beijing says, quote, the three countries, Saudi Arabia, Iran, and China, expressed their keenness to exert all efforts toward enhancing regional and international peace and security, unquote. Can China pull the rabbit out of the hat? Time will tell. For the present, though, the Saudi-Iranian rapprochement will certainly have positive fallouts on the efforts toward a negotiated settlement in Yemen and Syria, as well as on the political instability in Lebanon. Besides, the joint communique emphasizes that Saudi Arabia and Iran intend to provide the 1998 General Agreement for Cooperation in the Fields of Economy, Trade, Investment, Technology, Science, Culture, Sports, and Youth. All in all, the Biden administration's maximum pressure strategy toward Iran has crashed, and the West's sanctions against Iran are being rendered ineffectual. The U.S. policy options on Iran have shrunk. Put differently, Iran gains strategic depth to negotiate with the U.S. The next two paragraphs are really important, and they underscore the profoundly shifting sands of uh, global politics and economy. And this is one of the reasons why I'm convinced the U.S. will do whatever it takes, starting a third world war, if need be, nuclear. But my bet is that the new cancer moonshot, the medical DARPA, that uh, the mummy Joe Biden has launched, uh, is basically going to be a platform for absolutely insidious biological warfare, and that is what I think is going to be deployed. Note the next two paragraphs, however. The cutting edge of the U.S. sanctions 
lies in the restrictions on Iran's oil trade and access to Western banks. It is entirely conceivable that the backlash is about to begin as Russia, Iran, and Saudi Arabia, three top oil and gas-producing countries, start accelerating their search for payment mechanisms by bypassing the American dollar. China is already discussing such an arrangement with Saudi Arabia and Iran. China and China, Russia trade and economic transactions no longer use American use one more time. China, Russia trade and economic transactions no longer use the American dollar for payments. It is well understood that any significant erosion in the status of the dollar as, quote, world currency, unquote, will not only spell doom for the American economy, but will cripple the U.S. capacity to wage forever wars abroad and impose its global hegemony. This last sentence again. It is well understood that any significant erosion in the status of the dollar as a world currency, unquote, will not only spell doom for the American economy, but will cripple the U.S. capacity to wage forever wars, quote, unquote, abroad, and impose its global hegemony. The bottom line is that the reconciliation between Saudi Arabia and Iran is also a precursor to their induction as BRICS members in a near future. To be sure, there is a Russian-Chinese understanding already on this score. The BRICS membership for Saudi Arabia and Iran will radically reset the power dynamic in the international system. Well, it will, and one of the things that is quite remarkable about the economic coalescence and alignment of the global south is that countries with very significant differences have been able to effect positive commercial trade uh, relationships without necessitating the restructuring of the other countries' politics to suit the power elites of the, of the one country. The U.S. doesn't do that. But again, the statement here, I'm going to read these two paragraphs again because this goes right to why I'm just scared bleepless. The cutting edge of the U.S. sanctions lies in the restrictions on Iran's oil trade and access to Western banks. It is entirely conceivable that a backlash is about to begin as Russia, Iran, and Saudi Arabia, three top oil and gas-producing countries, start accelerating their search for payment mechanisms, bypassing the American dollar. China is already discussing such an arrangement with Saudi Arabia and Iran. China-Russia trade and economic transactions no longer use the American dollar for payments. It is well understood that any significant erosion in the status of the dollar as, quote, world currency, unquote, will not only spell doom for the American economy, but will cripple the U.S. capacity to wage forever wars abroad and impose its global hegemony. 
One of the things that is driving, I think, this realignment, economic and political, primarily economic in the global south, and that was the U.S. confiscation of Russia's foreign currency reserves, some $300 billion. The dollar has been, because uh, of an agreement to denominate global oil sales in dollars, the dollar has been the world's reserve currency of choice. What the U.S. demonstrated, however, was that basically they will do what they bloody well want to do, and it has basically sent a an alarm flare, so to speak. It has uh, generated uh, well-founded alarms all over the world because countries are realizing that if, in fact, they continue to uh, become part of a dollarized global economy, they can have their currency confiscated if they do not uh, do what the U.S. wants. And I think that is one of the real driving factors in that global realignment. Again, the implications of what has taken place are enormous. And I absolutely do not think that the U.S. and in particular the uh, administration of the mummy, Joe Biden, will take the advice proffered in an old Turkish proverb which says, no matter how far you have traveled down the wrong road, turn back. Indeed, we should. Uh, there has been uh, quite a bit of discussion about the possible catastrophic electoral effects of the devastating earthquake and aftershocks in Turkey and Syria on the electoral fortunes of President Erdogan of Turkey. He has not done what NATO wanted with regard to various things. I am very suspicious about that earthquake. It is a matter of public record uh, that the U.S. and the former Soviet Union had a treaty on environmental modification as a um, weapon of war on the books by 1977, the better part of half a century ago. Nikola Tesla used mechanical resonance to generate an earthquake in New York City in the late 19th century. So uh, that such things can be done, that such technologies exist, is a matter of record. In 1997, uh, then-U.S. Defense Secretary William Cohen, at a press conference, noted that, quote, terrorist nations, unquote, were seeking means of using environmental warfare, including triggering earthquakes and volcanoes, as means of wreaking terrorist incidents. Well, if, quote, terrorist nations, unquote, were seeking those means, according to the U.S. Secretary of Defense at a press conference in 1997, you can damn well bet that the most powerful and advanced military technology, military, the most technologically advanced and most powerful military power in the world, the U.S., has the same capability. Again, I am very suspicious about the earthquake uh, in Syria and uh, Turkey. You can't 
create an earthquake where there aren't faults, but there are multiple faults in those areas. It is also interesting that the U.S. is not lifting the sanctions on Syria, and there was an air raid by Israel on uh, the Syrian airport uh, at the Blues at Damascus uh, in the aftermath of the earthquake, which is about as cynical as anything could be. But again, I, although it is possible that nuclear war may result from this, what I will bet, I do not think the U.S. empire is going to go down uh, without a fight. It could realign itself, but for that to happen, the political dynamics that I went into uh, at great length with Gene Diagenio and uh, five of his fellow participants in the JFK Revisited documentary, Dr. Gary Aguilar, Paul Blow, John Newman, uh, David Talbot, and Lisa Peace, that 27-hour uh, series on JFK Revisited, uh, I don't see the dynamics that manifested in uh, that discussion changing. On the contrary, I think things are going to be worse. Uh, one of the things that was in the Whitney Webb article, a very important article from January 31st of 2020 from the Last American Vagabond blog, and it discussed a little-known or a... a, a uh, relatively eclipsed aspect of the Rebuilding America's Defenses paper that was put out by the Project for a New American Century. That that referred to uh, biological warfare and the role that uh, genetic engineering could play and it would turn biological warfare into what was described as a useful political tool. And uh, I think we have seen just such a uh, use of that in the COVID pandemic. There is an article, I've, I've talked about this a couple of times, but I think it is really important from the New York Times of September 12th of 2022. Biden picks biotech executive to lead new biomedical research agency by Cheryl Gay Stolberg from the New York Times of September 12th, again, 2022. And I don't know how this woman's last name is pronounced. I call her Dr. W. Dr. Rene W, W-E-G-R-Z-Y-N, a Polish or Ukrainian name, is President Biden's choice to lead the Advanced Research Projects Agency for Health, which is aimed at driving biomedical innovation. President Biden sketching out the vision for, quote, bold approaches, unquote, to fighting cancer and other diseases, announced on Monday that he had selected Dr. Renee W., a Boston biotech executive with government experience, <laughs> there's an understatement, as the director of a new federal agency aimed at pursuing risky, far-reaching ideas that will drive biomedical innovation. This is ostensibly an anti-cancer program, uh, as we have looked at in many programs. It was Richard Nixon's war on cancer that appears to have been the platform for the creation of AIDS. And indeed, Dr. Kurt Blom, one of the Nazi scientists who was brought into the U.S. 
uh, under Project Paperclip, uh, and who was the top liaison, by the way, with the Japanese Unit 731 uh, project in Manchuria. He disguised his biological warfare program as a cancer research agency. And uh, continuing the uh, skipping down in this article, modeled after the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, the new agency is known as the Advanced Research Projects Agency for Health. In the Argo of Washington, where every agency has an acronym, the Defense Research Agency is called BERPA, and the Health Agency is ARPA-8. Talking about Dr. W's bio, she also worked at DARPA and its sister agency, the Intelligence Advanced Research Projects Activity. Skipping down, the agency already has an acting deputy director, Adam H. Russell, also a DARPA alumnus, who has been laying the technical infrastructure and other groundwork to get the new agency off the ground. In addition to announcing his intent to appoint Dr. W., Mr. Biden issued an executive order on Monday establishing a biotechnology and biomanufacturing initiative intended to position the United States as a leader in the field and to center drug manufacturing in the country. That's critical, because one of the aspects of uh, the global economy, uh, China makes many of the things that are used for uh, generic uh, pharmacological or pharmaceutical projects. If there were a war with China, or really, I'm afraid, when there is war with China, those would stop the flow. Uh, the, the flow of those would stop to the U.S. And I think this is, in no uncertain terms, a project that points to a third world war with China and very possibly Russia. I think that, uh, more about that in a second. From the Wikipedia bio of Dr. W, from 2009 to 2016, she worked as a senior lead technologist at Booz Allen Hamilton. That's a defense contractor. From 2016 to 2020, the Trump administration, she served as a program manager in the Biological Technologies Office of DARPA, where she specialized in synthetic biology and biosecurity. She was at DARPA when they were doing all this research into bat-borne coronaviruses. And I went into that at a considerable length in many programs. Uh, Whitney Webb's very important uh, article from the last American Vagabond blog of January 30th of 2020, Bats, Gene Editing, and Bioweapons. Recent DARPA experiments raise concerns amid coronavirus outbreak. Again, by Whitney Webb. Uh, I want to note again that, and, and forgive me for going into this so many times, but repetition is, I, I think, an essential way to get things through people's noggins. But the whole concept of a lab leak, and there are all sorts of hearings, the House is having hearings now about the, 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 the virus leak from the Wuhan laboratory. So there is acknowledgement that the U.S. was financing that research, but the whole concept of a leak is 
biologically, technically obsolete, technologically obsolete. The only reference I have seen to that was a cover story, again, in New York Magazine from January 2021 by Nicholson Baker. And it mostly, it was for the most part unremarkable, but again, briefly, from the Guardian of June 19th of 2018, synthetic biology, that's what Dr. W was into, synthetic biology raises risk of new bioweapons, U.S. report warns by Ian Sample from the Guardian of June 19th of 2018. The rapid rise of synthetic biology, again, that's what she's into, the rapid rise of synthetic biology, a futuristic field of science that seeks to master the machinery of life, has raised the risk of a new generation of bioweapons, according to a major U.S. report into the state of the art. Advances in the area mean that scientists now have the capability to recreate dangerous viruses from scratch, make harmful bacteria more deadly, and modify common microbes so that they churn out lethal toxins once they enter the body. In the report, the scientists describe how synthetic biology, which gives researchers precision tools to manipulate living organisms, enhances and expands, unquote, opportunities to create bioweapons. Skipping down. Today... The genetic code of almost any mammalian virus can be found online and synthesized. Quote, the technology to do this is available now, said Michael Imperiali from the University of Michigan, who chaired this body. It requires some expertise, but it's something that's relatively easy to do, and that is why it tops the list. Uh, EcoHelp Alliance, financed primarily by DARPA, the Pentagon and USAID State Department subsidiary that often serves as a front for CIA, and with David France, former commanding officer of the USAMRIIB at Fort Detrick, which was shut down in early August of 2019 by the CBC for uh, the improper use of, quote, select agents, unquote, and we have had that information classified for reasons of national security. Uh, that research obviously was leading to the publication of papers and the inclusion of the genomes of some of the viruses that were being synthesized in the database of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Then, what in my opinion happened was that the, rather like setting up Lee Harvey Oswald to take the, by painting him as a communist and, uh, framing him for the assassination of JFK before killing him and, uh, seeing to it that he couldn't, uh, win his innocence in court. Then the, the fingers were pointing, look at what the Wuhan Institute of Virology was doing. Look at what they had in their database. Oh my goodness, the virus must have come from there. And yet, in a technology that is roughly analogous to a 3D printer, once you've got that genome, it can be synthesized from scratch or tweaked from scratch. Again, I know I've spoken about this in the past, but I think we're doomed and, and watching the utter passivity of the American people in the face of absolute evil is quite remarkable. And... uh Three things very quickly. A number of points of consciousness. Of I spoke about these in the last. Uh, why 
was the USAMRI, USAMIID, United States Army's medical USAM, I think it should be research, I think I left the word research out here, Institute of Infectious Diseases, in early August of 19, shut down on the eve of the pandemic. Why can't we know about that? When Peter Bashek and uh, other colleagues, including Ralph Berich, gained the Lancet's paper on the origins of the virus, basically stigmatizing anyone who suggested this virus was the uh, product of uh, laboratory engineering. Uh, it, it equated those with conspiracy theorists or climate deniers. Again, consciousness of guilt. When uh, and that was from a um, article in Vanity Fair magazine in June of 2021. That same article uh, noted that when uh, Trump administration, State Department officials who were uh, China hawks were trying to get the whole lab leak thing going, they were told, "Don't talk about it because it will shed light on our funding of that research, and it could lead to the opening of a can of worms or a Pandora's box." And again, note that EcoHealth Alliance was partnered with Medabiaba, which is active in the U.S. subsidized biolabs in Ukraine, and courtesy of venture capital put forward by MQTEL, the venture capital arm of the CIA, and other intelligence services. They worked with Munich Reinsurance to develop a business model for pandemic insurance. And in 2018, they were bracing potential clients with the following just two years earlier, this is 2018, the company, Mebabiaba, had won a large set of scenarios forecasting the consequences of a novel coronavirus spreading around the globe. Measures that decreased person-to-person contact, including social distancing, quarantine, and school closures, had the greatest cost per death prevented, most likely because of the amount of economic disruption caused by those measures. And in 2018, uh, EcoHelp was proposing the synthesis of novel coronaviruses. And then in an article by Jeffrey Sachs and Neil Harrison in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences in uh, May of last year, we noted that a Freedom of Information Act suit of the National Institutes of Health and uh, Mr. Fauci 290 pages of a document requested by that suit were redacted. Why? Why were sequences of bat coronavirus genomes removed from public view in the U.S.? Again, why? And some articles in this regard. Again, I spoke about this last week. Again, the Whitney Webb article. Uh, Peter Bashek's EcoHelp Alliance has hidden almost $40 million in Pentagon funding and militarized pandemic science by Sam Husseini in Independent Science News, December 16th of 2020. The Lab Leak Theory, Inside the Fight to Uncover COVID-19's Origins by Catherine Aben, Vanity Fair, June 3rd, 2021. Munich Re and MQTEL select Mebabiaba to gain deeper insights into epidemic risk and risk and global preparedness for infectious diseases, that from NQTEL itself, IQP.org, August 22nd, 2017. Daily Mail, exclusive, 
Hunter Biden did help secure millions in funding for U.S. contractor in Ukraine, specializing in deadly pathogen research, laptop emails reveal, raising more questions about the disgraced son of then-Vice President by Josh Boswell of the Daily Mail, and uh, they were able to verify the emails on the laptop. We can protect the economy from pandemics. Why didn't we? But why didn't we? By Evan Ratliff, Wired Magazine, June 16th of 2020. And then, a call for an independent inquiry into the origin of the SARS-CoV-2 virus by Neil L. Harrison and Jeffrey B. Sachs from the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences from May 19th of 2022. And I'm going to... Uh, all but wrap up this program with, again, the audio from a 55-second Twitter video that Dr. Sachs put out last year. That video, has, that Twitter has now been deleted. That tweet has now been deleted. But here is the audio of this, again, from 2022. I'll add one provocative statement. We could take it up later. It may shock you or not shock you, or you may say, I already know that, Professor Sachs. But I chaired a commission for the Lancet for two years on COVID. I'm pretty convinced it came out of uh, U.S. lab biotechnology, not out of nature. Just to mention, after two years of intensive work on this. So it's a blunder, in my view, of biotech, not an accident of a natural spillover. We don't know for sure. I should be absolutely clear. But there's enough evidence that it should be looked into, and it's not being investigated, not in the United States, not anywhere. And I think for real reasons that they don't want to look underneath the uh, uh, underneath the uh, the rug control. That again, Dr. Jeffrey Sachs. But again, I think it is going. To, I think this medical DARPA uh, is going to be the vehicle for the creation of monstrous new diseases, and this will be how they uh, basically attempt to see to it that uh, the devalorization of the global economy does not take place. I don't think uh, that they're going to allow that. And again, uh, under the facade of identity politics, uh, Joe Biden is in fact engineering what I think is going to be the annihilation of the human race. This concludes for the record program number 1293.